I've got something to share tonight and uh, it's going to really bless you. It re- has really blessed me. I think this, this conclusion of the point I want to make at the end, I need to pad it out with some foundational stuff. A lot of people slip and slide in their Christian life because they don't have foundation in their life and they've built their life on good intentions and sand and, you know, just some average, you know, some good stuff, but then, then some, some, you know, some average stuff. And so you need to build your life on the solid rock of Christ. There's no other foundation, by the way, that you can build your life. You can't build your life on Apple. You can't build your life on anything else. You, can, you only can build it on Christ Jesus. So let's get that sorted. And I hope you've done that already. You've given your life to the Lord. You've, you've, you've been given the gift of faith and you've given your heart to the Lord. And all of a sudden you love the word. You, uh, you love God. You love the church. And now you're involved in the mission of the church. So I really believe that this message is very paramount for these days in which we're living. It's going to help people. If you want to grow, this is for you. If you just want to just stay the same, this ain't going to help you. If you want to sin and if you want to live carnally, you want to live one foot in the world and one foot in God, oh, that's awkward. And uh, this, is, this is not for you. This is for people that are, are signing off on God and saying, and listen, it's already happening. Our young people are going to Bible college this year and next year. I never thought I'd see the day that my Jessie would be going to Bible college, but it's true. She is going to Bible college. Now listen, God is accelerating his plans through the church. The church is the only answer to a fallen world. Now, they said, I've heard, and I believe, and it's correct, that if we take the church out of the equation called the world, the world would just shrink. I mean, it would just decay, literally. It would just decay like a rotten apple. Literally, it just would. Who likes eating rotten apples? Put up your hand. No. But listen, if they take the salt, the church, and salt, how many uses does it have? Frank was telling me in the prayer meeting yesterday. How many was it again? Frank, help me. 1,500 uses for salt. And if you've lost your saltiness and if you haven't found a use for God and a use on this planet, 1,500 uses salt has, you're in dire straits because God says it's not worth anything now. Just throw it out. And I don't want to be thrown out by God. I don't want to see you thrown out by God. One of the main reasons I believe that you have been saved, and I can prove it in the Bible, that you have been saved to help reconcile this lost planet. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says that you are a new creation in Christ. Say new creation. You used to function like this. <laughs> you used to function like this. Until a man is born of the Spirit, his soul will run his life. He is used to assessing situations with his mind and reaching his own conclusions. He pays considerable attention to his emotions and often allows them to rule them, ladies. (laughs) He makes his own decisions, even men now too, unfortunately. He makes his own decisions based upon the reasoning of his mind or as the result of the emotional desires he has, or by a combination of the two. We call it the power of the soul. Jimi Hendrix sang a song, the power of the soul. But guess what? When you gave your life to Jesus, what happened? 
When you by faith said, Jesus, come into my life like the three young people did. Man, I tried to uh, win some souls on Friday night. I went for broke and nothing happened, man. Now they're moving. Garth, I said, Garth, what do you do now? And Garth came up and he said, no, I really, because I said there was three souls in the house. And he said, no, I really believe there's three souls. So he went at it and guess what? Three souls came out. That's faith, man. And he was born to do that. He was born to reconcile people to Christ. And he's serious about it. He's training himself up. Luke is training himself up in the Word. They want to get serious about that. I got, we got Haley at Bible College serious about reconciling people. Even if I get one, one soul, Lord God, into the, into the kingdom from hell, I think you should be very happy about that. Amen? And church is all about that. Church is an ark. Church is a rescue shop. One yard from hell, which was prophesied over me when I finished Bible college. Amen? That you will have a rescue shop. One yard from hell. I wasn't, man, I didn't even have a ministry. I didn't even speak in public. Give me a break. But when the Holy Ghost came upon me, whoo, man, I became a nation shaker, a mover and shaker for God. I said, we're going to have a church on the, uh, in Tug- we're going to have a church on the central coast, buddy, in Wyong, and we're going to be a rescue shop for people that need life. Now, the Bible says, when you gave your life to Jesus, that you receive life. Life. The Bible also says in Ephesians chapter 2, that you were dead in your sin, meaning that your body and soul were awake. And operating. You lived your life like that, by body and soul. But the Bible says that you were dead in sin until you said yes to Christ Jesus. Guess what happened? The Holy Spirit came and ignited your spirit because you are three parts, body, soul, and spirit. You are soul, mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. But you are spirit. That spirit is shut off until you say yes to Jesus. It's independent. A lot of people out there living independent from God, disconnected from God. Is that right? Saying, my spirit is my spirit, thank you very much. And I prefer not to be connected with you lot. Family of God, they call it, or whatever. Brothers and sisters, give me a break. No, I'm living my life the way I want. So until they say yes to Jesus, their spirit is independent from God. So, But when they said yes to Jesus, like they did on Friday night, the Holy Spirit came and pow, their spirit was activated in God. Say activate. Their spirit was activated. Now all of a sudden they can hear God. They can hear God. In their spirit, we have... Conscience, a conscience. In our spirit, there is God conscience, a God conscience. This is the problem with getting saved, unfortunately. Had a lady slightly abuse me once in another church, went to a meeting. She was there. This lady got saved under our ministry many years previously. She came up to me and she said, I'm mad with you. I said, what's wrong? She said, you didn't tell me. I said, what didn't I tell you? You didn't tell me that when I gave my life to Jesus, I wouldn't be able to smoke drugs anymore. I don't get the high from drugs anymore. I get, I get condemned from smoking drugs. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I said, I'm sorry, I should have told you. There was a bit of fine detail to you, you know, getting so, I mean, a bit of fine, yeah, what do they call it? 
the fine print, the disclaimer, that's right. She said, oh, I'm disappointed. And she chuckles. She said, no, I'm just joking, but I cannot smoke drugs anymore. I can't do the things I used to do. Because this thing called my conscience is gnawing me. I can't do that stuff. I can't do this. I can't. I mean, I was doing all that. Now I can't do it. What, what, what's the story? I said, well, when you got saved, your spirit became alive in God. Your spirit that wants to love God, serve God, and, and rock and roll for God. It wants to be a nation shaker. It wants to help people, bless people, love people, in fact. And guess what? You're, you're at the seat of your spirit is your God consciousness. At the seat of your soul is your self-consciousness. See, I was too self-conscious, self-conscious to be a public speaker because I was all in the soul. It was all in the soul. My, my, my power to life was all in the soul. And, and in my soul, there was self-conscious. Conscious, conscience. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why a lot of people... This is going to help someone. Do you know what I'm saying? Now, in, in, your, in your body, so I've mentioned the spirit, which is your God conscience. I've mentioned your, your, your soul, which is your, which is your what? What is it? Your self-conscience. Yeah. Now, your body is your world conscience. Your body is your world conscience. I want to talk about, I've just skipped past a lot of my message because I want to get to this one point. Now, this is how you grow. Oh, man, I wish I could pad this out with the Scriptures, but my time is gone. I cannot. I'd, I'd like to have done it Friday night. I'm not, I'm not getting away with it tonight either. I've got a lot of Scriptures to back this up. But the basic thing is this. When you were saved, you were given life, abundant life. Where is that abundant life, Pastor Phil? I've been coming to this church. I've been in Christ. Where is my abundant life? You might be pointing that finger at me right now. Well, it comes by your own volition. Say volition. It comes by you, you taking stock of the reality of your life, body, soul, and spirit, and saying, thank you, God, for salvation. Now I can build on this foundation of my spiritual life. Does that make sense, my friend? Now, the thing is, number one thing that will help you mature in God. Otherwise, you could end up out of the church, out of God. If you don't do this, if you don't start claiming ground into the promised ground, which is your salvation and all that God wants for you, if you don't start claiming that real soon, young people, real soon, everyone, if you don't do that, you will lose ground. You will build a shack called Nice Intentions to God. The wind will come, stuff will come, and it will just blow your shack down. Amen. But we're talking about building a good, strong spiritual life on the foundation of Christ. And the saints say amen to that. Give the Lord a hand right there. Jesus says that we cannot see the kingdom of God unless we're born again. Seeing the kingdom of God means experiencing the reality of God, knowing his love and forgiveness and living in the power of God. Does this sound all right to you? Who likes being born again? Do you want to see, do you want to experience the reality of the kingdom? Do you want to know his love? Do you want to feel his forgiveness? Do you want to live in the power of God? This is exactly where you should be. You should be living this new life. Where's the new life? It says right there in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Amen. That's got, gone. You're, you're not a two-part being anymore. You're a three-part being ready to be all that you can be in God. Is this good for someone? Galatians 2.20 says, and I love this scripture, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. I don't no longer live by my soul and spirit. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith. I live in my spirit, in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
The Bible says you just can't live just, you know, without God's grace and God's power. So it says in Ephesians 3.16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Everyone needs that. Do you need it? Romans 8.13 says, if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. You will get snuffed out. You play with fire. You play with sin. You play with that stuff. Your life is going to get snuffed out. You're not going to be a light. You're going to be a dim haze. You know what I mean? And, and we should be a bright light to a lost world. Amen. If you live according to the sinful nature, you, you will die. But if you if, if, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Say live. You want to live? You really want to live? Praise God. 1 John 5.12 says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Oh, okay. Three things I mentioned that will give you a new life but a mature life. The first one, I can't even go there, but if you were to grasp these three things. Firstly, we are in Christ. You've been, you're in Christ. And some of the things that we hear uh, when, we, when we read the Bible and, and hear the preaching is that you have eternal life, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're a new creation redeemed from the curse of the Lord. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. I really believe that. Second thing is we enter a new relationship with God. We're children of God, reconciled to God, co-heirs with Christ. We can approach God with freedom and confidence, qualified to share in his inheritance. Thirdly, we have been set free from sin. Who has been set free from sin? No longer under condemnation, washed, sanctified, justified. Our nature has changed, died to sin, and righteousness lives in us. We want to live this life. The other thing is we are set apart in the world. We're not like this world. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. We're in fact ambassadors. We live by faith in the Son of God. Son of God. Colossians 3.16. Am I moving along too quick for you? This is how you grow. You grow spiritually. Persevere in trials. Follow and serve Christ. There's three things. Jot this stuff down, please. Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another. Love the connect groups. Love the yards. Love the... Love the teaching in this church. Get into a connect group because this is what's trying to happen into your life. Let the word, say the word. Someone preached about the word a couple of weeks ago, I believe, Garth. Is that right? You preached about the word? Because let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and with gratitude of your heart to God. What 2 Peter 1, 4, though he has given us these very great and precious promises. Oh, these promises are magnificent. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature of God. You can be so godlike. You can be so much more than probably what you are right now. Now, Hebrews 6.12, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Two, if you were to grasp this, two, if you were to grasp forgiveness, which you need every day, and this is one major reason why people find themselves, they can't read their Bible, they, they can't approach God confidently, boldly, they can't come to church, they can't witness about Jesus, because they find themselves condemned, but yeah, condemned by maybe even their own conscience. And it says in 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Who believes that? The third thing that I really, really is something that personally for me, and I know it runs in the family somewhat, is this thing about a clear conscience. Say clear conscience. I have to do this to you. This is going to complicate your life, but it's going to bless your life because do you want to grow? 
Do you want to grow? Do you want to grow? Do you want to know what happened to you when you gave your life to Jesus? It's a bit like this. When you gave your life to the Lord, your spirit came alive. We shared that. And within your spirit, there is this God conscience. God conscience. Say God conscience. Love it. Acts 24.16 says, so I strive always, Paul says this, so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. What is a conscience and how does it work? Our conscience is our inner prompting to do what we think to be right and to avoid what we think to be wrong. It is an inner voice that is bearing witness to us, accusing us if it thinks we're wrong or defending us if it thinks we are right. Romans 2.15 Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending. So your conscience, you understand this, your conscience is there to help you. It's like, it's like this alarm, it's like this alarm system. Don't do that. That's good. That's good. You want to give a thousand bucks? Do it. You want to help that old lady? Help do it. You, you, you want to go to Bible college? Do it. You want to go drive in a, someone's car and tear around the block and they're drunk and you're not sure? Don't do it! You, you, you want to sleep with someone and they're saying it's right but it's not sin because, you know, there's an abbreviated version of sex? Don't do it! If you don't listen to your conscience, you will sear your conscience, meaning that you will you will shut it down and it won't be able to speak to you. If you keep shutting your conscience down when you're supposed to be doing right and you're saying, conscience, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to do what my emotions tell me to do. I'm going to do what my mind wants to do. I'm going to do what my body wants to do. If you do that, your conscience will progressively be shut down and you will lose that inner sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. That's why we need to walk circumspectly through life, and hear God. What's God saying? You can have someone say, come on, let's do it, yeah. This emotional person, come on, let's do it, man. This guy's got a fast car, man. Oh, let's go, oh, this will be good. And you go, yeah, I can see you're excited, but you know, <laughs> my conscience is sort of you know, screaming at me, saying, no. My emotions are going, yeah, let's do it, let's do it. This will be fun, this will be fun. <laughs> Yeah, but my conscience, my conscience is telling me, this is not good. Can I just get back to you? Now, listen here, you guys. Now, what's it going to be? Is it going to be the fast car or is it going to be going to not do yeah? And so you have to learn and allow yourself to be trained in this stuff. God's boundaries. Some people need boundaries. And for the sake of time, some people do need boundaries because what they've grown up on is that they've been literally grown up on all sorts of stuff, R-rated movies. They've had parents that have sworn. They've lived in an environment where they've got really, their conscience has not been trained up as such. I grew up in a family where my parents didn't swear. They weren't church going, but I had this real stronghold in my life that said swearing wasn't good. And so I used to get teased at school for not swearing. This big bully came up to me and said, you don't swear. I believe you don't swear. Right. You're going to swear, right? You're going to say this word and that word, right? I said, I'm not going to. Bang, bang. I said, all right. So, yeah, all right. Well, you know, maybe I should learn how to start swearing. (laughs) 
Some people need boundaries. I used to look after those people in Mount Penang because their conscience is just it's not helping them at all. People with weaker faith and consciences need rules to live within to stop them doing the wrong things. Amen. Romans 14, 23, 23, but the man who has doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Now, this is potent with revelation. I haven't got time to unpack this, but listen, if you haven't got faith to do something, don't do it. I haven't got faith to drink. I have no grace to drink, although I used to drink. But now, as a God-man, filled with the Spirit and on a mission for God, I have no faith to drink. And so I don't drink. So that's a problem to me. But some people might drink, and it's not a problem. But I'll go on record by saying, I believe that you should be very, very careful in drinking, especially if it was a problem in your family. Because it runs in the generations, all right? Trust me, it does. I've seen it time and time again. For me, I don't drink. Julie doesn't drink. We go on record by saying that because we want to live intoxicated by God, not, not wine and stuff. Amen? But if you've got faith to do that, praise God. I'm not saying anything more about that. Amen? And um, people with strong consciences that is based on God's word, do not need those many restraints, meaning rules and stuff. They have consciences that sets up God's boundaries. And it's about the law of love as written in Romans 13, verse 8 to 10. And it is the standard of their consciences that they live by. Romans 13, 8. What are you saying, Pastor Phil? Well, these people are quite mature and they live within the boundaries of their own life, of their own conscience. And, it's, and, and, and the regulating factor in this style of life is love is love. Do you know what I mean? It's the law of love. Let's look at this. Let, the, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love of one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be um, summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Say that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Guys, there is a tremendous aid and there is a tremendous, man, there is a tremendous benefit in listening to your conscience. Am I speaking to someone tonight? It can save you a lot of grief. You keep pushing back on that conscience. And in fact, I'll say this. If you've got no faith to say that, don't say it. If you've got no faith to say that joke, some people throw things out and they're quite scandalous. I've seen your stuff on Facebook and you go, wow, did they really have faith to say that? The Bible says if you don't have faith for it, it's a sin. Be careful what you throw out. Be careful what you say in jest and that. Because if you can't say it in faith, it is a sin. Is this, is this working for someone? Do you know what I'm saying? If you, if you don't have faith to do that, don't do it. I have people here that, 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 that can't do certain things in our ministry, in our church, because they have no faith for it. That's cool. I don't want them to do stuff if they have got no faith in it. It's all about not living by a set of rules, but what, according to you, that you can do and not feel guilty. Amen. The Holy Spirit uses our conscience to make us, to actually make us feel guilty. It is His work to convict the world of guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. John 16:8. It is the convicting work of the Holy Spirit that points us to Jesus. 
The gospel enlightens our conscience, remember this, and brings us a new awareness of sin and we ha- that we have not known before. Again, after we've been born again, we begin to understand God's voice through the Holy Spirit. It's a beautiful thing, guys. Our consciences become more aware of God's way the more we let God's truth come into our lives. Let that word of God come into your life. Let it come and it will build up your conscience and your conscience will become strong. This does not mean we feel more guilty. Rather, it makes us more dependent on God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So the conscience is there. It's having its say, but it's not not making you guilty on purpose. I mean, it's not making you guilty all the time. It's affirming you. But then again, it's pulling you up. Do you want to understand that? Yes, I know that there's a scripture of no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But if you're in Christ Jesus and living according to his will and according to his plan and according to his ways, there is no condemnation. But if you're over here, let your conscience, let your conscience, conscience prick you and say to you, hey, that ain't right. You know what I'm saying? So the conscience is there on purpose. Now, if your conscience, if you can watch R-rated movies and you just go, well, what's wrong with this? If you can get drunk and say, what's wrong with this? If you can just totally just be carnal and say, well, what's wrong with this? Then you need to say, I need help. I need to train up my conscience in the word, in the word. And it's not your fault. It's just the way the world is. The world is so corrupt that unfortunately it grieves me that little babies, two, three years of age, are allowed to watch R-rated movies. R-rated movies. Fighting, murder, rape, and and all sorts of tragic stuff. And I've seen them. They've come into the boys' home, and and they've literally have no... They're good kids. They're good kids, but they have no idea that that is wrong. And you've got to say to them, that's wrong, buddy. In fact, it's so wrong, that's why you're in here. You've had strong rules placed around you now because you don't know what's wrong or right. But I'm a good kid. Yeah, but you don't understand. You can't go bashing people and killing people. Oh, okay, saw it on a movie. Gee whiz. Didn't know it was that serious. Yeah, well, it is, buddy. It's a bit more than overdue library books. Colossians 1.9, what is the will for this poor guy that's in, say, castrated and he's in, in the system, he's in jail, he's, and, and, he's, and, and you're in the church and you, you've got, it's right, it's right the word, I thought Garth, I've heard that sniggle, Garth. Colossians 1, carcerate, is it? Incarcerate, Colossians 1.9, moving along. For this reason, since the day, now, listen guys, this is a powerful prayer. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have stopped, we have not stopped praying for you. Now, I hope this is the prayer of this church for all our peoples of our church. I don't know what God's will is. I don't know what is right or wrong. I'm not sure what I should be doing. I'm not sure if I should be living like on the straight and narrow. I'm not sure if I should be living my life so so close to God and so right for God. Well, we need to pray for you. Colossians 1.9 says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of of the Lord and may please him in every way. Is this ringing with you guys? Bearing fruit, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. 
That's a powerful prayer, man. It's, it's one of the powerful prayers in the New Testament. One of four powerful prayers in the, in the New Testament. Unfortunately, the consequences of a guilty conscience, our relationship with God, we feel unclean, cannot look to God, cannot receive God's love, feel unworthy. Our faith, strong faith and a guilty conscience, do not, uh, they're not, they don't go together. Romans 14, 23. Our prayer life is shot because God, when we open ourselves to prayer, he gets to us and, you know, it complicates matters. Our desire for God's word, a guilty conscience, robs us of any appetite for the things of God. You, those friends will go carnal. They just won't want to come to church. They won't want to be with you even. They won't want to be in his presence. They just won't. And, and it just shuts down the word of God. Our witness... Satan uh, will be trying to convince us that we are hypocrites and we will not have an answer if we have a guilty conscience. So there are dire straits for a guilty conscience. How to keep a clear conscience? Of course, I said immediate confession of sin. 1 John 1 9, keep your conscience clean. Matthew 6 12, uh, Jesus taught, forgive us our debts and uh, trust in the promise of the cleansing. Of course, obey God's word. This is how, how you build up your clear conscience. Continue to walk in the light because there's a scripture in and around that 1, uh, 1 John 1 9, sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Walk in the light, guys. Don't walk in the darkness. Don't let this happen. Consciences have been seared. 1 Timothy 4 2. Is this helping someone tonight? Don't let your conscience become seared, meaning that. Now you just don't feel, you don't feel guilty, man. You can do all that stuff and you don't feel guilty. You can watch R-rated, you can, you know, play up and do that stuff and you go, so what? It's no big deal. That's not a good day and you need a Holy Ghost revelation. Acts twenty four sixteen. so I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. Can that be our prayer tonight, I wonder? I strive always to keep my conscience clear clear before God and man. Father, we thank you for the conscience that you've given us. Let's all stand. God bless you. Awesome. You've done well tonight. That was a big message. Walk in the fear of the Lord. Do everything as to the Lord. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But listen, your conscience will sometimes put you on a guilt trip for a very good reason. But listen, your conscience is there too to agree with you and affirm you that you're doing well, you're doing good. And what that decision was, was good. And, and, and stay with it. Although your friends didn't understand it and, and people didn't agree with it, still your conscience is saying, well, I think it was great. And I believe, according to God, it was a good thing to do. And that's when you've got to stand on your laurels and say, I believe it was right. When the whole world's screaming to you and saying, that's wrong. You should have come with us on that night when we ripped off that whatever. Your conscience saying, no, I shouldn't have. I know I'm right. It's a bit like that. Don't live by your emotions. Live by faith. Have a clear, clean conscience. Father in heaven, mighty God, we stand before you and say, God, forgive us of all our sin. Wash us clean, set us free. If there's anybody here right now tonight that is suffering from a, a condemnation, a spirit of condemnation on them, Jesus said he forgives you in an instant. He forgives you in a moment. He forgives you in a nanosecond. He forgives you. Father, right now, I pray. Would you agree with me right now tonight if you've just got stuff that you're just ashamed of, of 
if you've got something that is just burdening you and keeping you away from God, the Word, the church, your people that you love, God's people, brothers and sisters that truly love you. So, Father, right now, cleanse me. Just say this, Father God, cleanse me, wash me, set me free. Let my conscience be clean. Cleanse me now. Reactivate my conscience to serve me well. Dear God in heaven, speak to me. Continue to speak to me. Conscience, I give you permission to speak again. Conscience, I will try and listen to you. Holy Spirit, help me listen to my conscience. Holy Spirit, help me right now listen to my conscience to do what, God, you are asking me to do. And I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. I pray that in the mighty name of the Lord. Let the saints say amen to that. Amen, guys. Awesome.